0: Last time, I announced the successful funding of the My Comic Shop Country Kickstarter campaign. This episode, I am pleased to announce our brand new podcast sponsors. This is exciting. Our first sponsor is a store whose name bears a striking similarity to Alternate Realities, aka My Comic Shop. I am referring to Alternate Reality Comics in Las Vegas, Nevada. Full disclosure, I've had to do a number of takes here because every time I start to say Alternate Reality Comics, instead I say Alternate Realities. Alright, so here we go. Here's what Alternate Reality Comics is all about. Alternate Reality Comics has been finding great homes for comics and graphic novels for 22 years in the greater Las Vegas metropolitan area, half a mile from UNLV and close to the Las Vegas Strip. At Alternate Reality Comics, our goal is to find your new favorite comic or graphic novel in whatever genre of storytelling you are looking for. Thanks to everyone who has, is, or will shop at Alternate Reality Comics for making my store a happy, fun place these past 22 years. Thank you also to the creators and publishers of the many comics and graphic novels we stock that truly make this a labor of love that we love to share with new and old fans of sequential art. Now, I've never been to Las Vegas under any circumstances, comic shop related or otherwise, but this definitely sounds like a store that I would like to make it to at some point. Our next podcast sponsor is a comic shop that regular listeners of this podcast will already be familiar with Zap Comics, which has locations in Wayne and Manalapan, New Jersey. Zap is your place for new comics, old comics, action figures, supplies, and much more. Zap is always buying. It is home to one of the most robust and impressive back issue operations. I've come across in my travels. So if you're looking to sell your old comics or build up your back issue collection, be sure to visit Zap in person or online at zapcomics.com. I'll be introducing more of our sponsors later on, but for now, let's get into the episode. Welcome to My Comic Shop History. I am your host, Anthony Desiato. This is Windy City Part 2. My time in Chicago concludes with a visit to Hyde Park's First Aid Comics, I am joined today by the store's owner, James Nurse. James, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, this is terrific. You know, right off the bat, before we get into anything else, I have to tell you, I was looking around the store before we started recording, and I noticed that you bag your trade paperbacks, Yeah, which is something that I find most stores do not do. And we used to do it at the store where I worked, mm-hmm. and I just assumed that other stores did it. And I, as I've been going around to these other ones, I realized I was mistaken, but
1: you bag your trades. I do. I, there's a number of reasons. I mean, obviously, we use wire we use grid and wire. I like the flexibility rather than the wood, like waterfall racks or shelving. Um, and if, it just rips the trades up if they're not bagged. And then there's the practical purposes too. of It decreases the amount of um, the books being pawed through and being damaged. And when you own what you order from Diamond... You can't return them. So then you're trying to sell a used product for full price and it doesn't work. So then you end up clearancing. So it depends on how much you can move a trade. If you can move 10 of them quite easily, then you can leave one unbagged for people to look through. But if you're only stocking one because you don't sell that many and it's getting red constantly. So, I mean, that's the main reason, you know, if a lot of people don't care. And they'll buy it, but there are a lot of people that have to have it look perfect for them to buy it. So it's best to keep it looking perfect because then the person that doesn't care will still buy it. You know, the way you don't eliminate any customers. Right.
0: No, so. I understand. I know there are all kinds of fans and collectors out there. I've yeah. I've been a different kind of collector at various points in my career, so I you know yeah. I can appreciate that. I mean, I suppose for the stores I've been to that don't bag them, the argument would be you you know you want people to be able to look through them, and that would encourage a purchase. I mean, do you find yeah. people are ever deterred by the fact that they're in a bag? Ab-
1: yeah, absolutely. And then we'll always we're very good about it approaching people saying, you know, you can, we can open that for you, or you could open and take a look at it as uh, to protect the book on the shelf, which then immediately t- says to the customer, be careful with what you're looking at, but it provides a good ch- opportunity to do some customer service and discuss the book. Um, so yeah, I just find that it's, it's a good thing to have because it creates that, you know, the chance to talk with a customer and it protects the property, the product, not property. So um yeah, that's why we do it.
0: Gotcha. So your last name is Nurse and you are SS. Yes. And can I can't spell. <laughs> and I know you have leaned into this medical motif. So the store, of course, is called First Aid Comics. Yeah. And you and your staff wear uh lab coats and yes. prescribe comics to customers. Yes. It's really funny to me because the past couple of stores that I've been to on my travels, uh, the owner's uh fashion sense uh, has been kind of distinct mm-hmm. but you have taken it to the next level with and I hope you don't mind my use of this word uh, more of a shtick. yeah uh, w- at what point uh, were these decisions made again about the name of the store and about the use of the the lab
1: coats I was actually a friend of mine when I was trying to come up with a name and I, I really didn't want to do and no offense to anyone who chose this name but the dragon's lair or you know amazing you know I wanted to do something that was different um, and obviously my name is stands out. know so we went with the medical theme it just the advertising opportunities to use with the medical theme is just too easy Um, so it was right from the start Uh, I like the lab coats because while it goes a little bit towards the outlandish and a little bit towards you know cosplay and stuff like that it doesn't go so far that you don't look professional because you put the lab coat on and people think, oh you're a doctor you're a even though they know that you're not that you're just a comic guy it's just a funny you know it's just that when I'm selling an expensive book you know, when I'm at a show and I'm selling something that's paying a lot of money, it's would be hard if I was dressed up in a chicken outfit. You know what I mean? Right. To spend that money, but wearing that professional life coat still works. And then people remember you. It's just, it's just branding. It, re- it really works. It's important because the most valuable thing any store has is its location and the repeat customer coming back and remembering who you are um, and building that relationship. And so it really helps with that, I think.
0: Yeah. No, it's an interesting hook. And it, it is distinct. I, I do think it stands out. And it's interesting because it's not – comic centric it's not like you said it's not a cosplay it's not yeah. something like that um i mean as you could be a doctor who you know decided to switch careers yeah. does anybody mis- does anybody assume that
1: ever well people yeah although I, I don't get assumed to be a nurse which would make more sense that i would be a nurse but uh no people will occasionally go, are you a doctor because they don't see the back of the jacket with the big logo on it you know they may they do it, particularly more at shows less than here occasionally we'll get somebody coming in saying do you sell wheelchairs you know occasionally we'll get that but for the most part no Right. My biggest concern right. when we chose the name was that people were think we were a business for restoration of books. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. That, so that, that was a be. little, yeah, that was a little bit of a concern. But I was like, it's not worth not using it. There's too many other benefits. So, and we it hasn't been much of a problem.
0: So. Right, because I know there are a number of of practices to restore old books, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, repairing pages and pressing and things like yeah. that. So yeah, I and didn't that's think about that. Definitely a
1: service out there, and so occasionally we'll get that too. But it's not enough to. Be a problem.
0: Do you ever wear gloves, especially if you're handling a rare book? <laughs> no, I no. don't. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep with the with the lab coat. Yeah, <laughs> very cool. So, you know, I want to get more into the history of your store and what you guys do here. But uh, you and I met very recently yeah. at New York Comic Con. You were set up as a vendor there. Yes. uh Was that the first time that you did that, or have you been there before? No. I,
1: you know, it was funny. We weren't. um There was a big debate about whether we were going to go this year, and then there was a discussion of how many years we've gone. And I need to go back and look at the paperwork. I, we, <laughs> Honestly, i lost track. I don't know if it's our fifth or sixth year. I think it was our sixth year being there, but um, it may have been our fifth. <laughs> so, but yeah, we go every year. Um, it's a great show. Uh, it's just the logistics and, you know, it's New York. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. I, you know I, know, I live in Chicago, but I live in High Park, which is kind of like a college town as opposed to being downtown. And you go to New York, you're in a city. It's like, oh, wow, this is big. So, yeah, it's yeah. intense.
0: Right. So how do you get your stuff there? Are you shipping it ahead of time and flying or are you driving it? No, we,
1: we load it into a, tr- uh, a cargo van. I called it a truck, but a cargo van and, and drive it out there. So
0: oh, yeah, quite, yeah. yeah, quite the journey. Yeah,
1: that's what I'm saying. Yeah. The logistics of New York are crazy going downtown. Yeah. So the whole convention aspect of this, it
0: hasn't come up a ton uh, in the episodes that I've done, but I know that, you know, a, a lot of stores do it and it can be a big part of what a store does, mm-hmm. you know, having a presence at conventions. The booth that you had there, roughly what size were you working with?
1: So for New York, because of the cost of it, I do a 10 by 10, though I uh, wanted to switch to a 10 by 20 this year and couldn't get the extra space. Normally at a, a big show, I do a 10 by 20. Yeah, it's amazing the difference that it makes uh, in terms of um, the customer reaction to it. When you're only ten by ten, people tend to walk by you. You hit that ten by twenty number, they'll stop and look. Ten by thirty doesn't really make a difference. It's the same reaction as a ten by twenty. It's just kind of a weird, weird thing that ten by twenty is kind of the sweet spot. So, but it's so much more expensive in New York. If you don't mind,
0: just roughly speaking, ballpark figures. What are what do these booths run?
1: So if you get a corner booth there's an additional cost but in general it's it's close to two grand for a 10 by 10 gotcha. so to do a 10 by 20 would you know if I got a linear it would be a little bit cheaper probably like 35 right so it's expensive it's a big cost and then you have traveling out there and the truck unless you own your own truck you know so you have a lot of expenses to just to, you know logistically be there.
0: So, I mean, I, is it safe to say it's been worthwhile for you, the fact that you guys keep going?
1: Well, that's that was the debate this year. When we had originally set this up, we had set this up the day prior because I wasn't planning on going back to New York this year. I was going to cut it um, just because of the expenses. Um, but I there was a number of shows I wanted to do, uh, Dragon Con in Atlanta, and I wanted to do Motor City, and I didn't get into either of those bigger shows, so I still had a lot of product. Uh, so at some point, I um, pulled the trigger and said, okay, I, I got to go ahead and do New York because I've got the inventory for it that I wanted to move. So it was a last minute decision. Uh, You know, with the expenses being so high, it's hard to make a profit, but it's good to move a lot of product. So, and it's good to be, New York is a show that all the publishers are going to be at. There's a lot going on. It's a good networking show as well. So it's good to have a presence there.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, did you feel you got other things out of it aside from just moving product? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And, you know, to be able to talk to the actual DC reps, um, meet them personally and, you know, hear what's going on with the new watchman series that's coming out right it's good to get the inside scoop on that because now we have time to adjust our orders based on what they told us that we that you know we didn't know from previews or
0: and i know they put out that six page ash can yeah review. if you went
1: to the dc panel which you know i'm often trapped in the booth but i have people that are with me so and i also have um, some folks that have grown up in high Park and then since moved to new york and going to school out there so they come in and uh, help me run the booth and they run around and get variants for me so um, none of us were unfortunately were at the DC panel, but I know enough of the reps They came by the booth and filled me in and I got a couple of the ash cans they show me. So it looks like it's going to be really good. I, I think people might be pretty surprised with what they're doing.
0: Yeah, I wanted to pick your brain about that a little bit because this episode will air prior to the release of the book on the subject of something like Doomsday Clock. And obviously mm-hmm. DC is in the midst of this rebirth initiative. Marvel has legacy that just started up. What sorts of responses have you been getting from your customers to those publishing events?
1: I I th- sometimes people talk and you know, because of social media and they talk a lot about things, but their buying doesn't always reflect what everybody's talking about. <laughs> so um DC has really, I think, really hit a stride. I think people, you know, I'm not hearing people say that to me, but our numbers are reflective that DC is selling well. We're constantly trying to restock some of the older issues that so people are definitely doing it. even in new york repeated people asking for new 52 so i think dc is definitely doing something that people are interested in and then seeing what the, at the dc panel what they told me and what they showed me with uh, Dooms, uh doomsday clock i think i think it's going to be good i think people are going to like it i think it's a different audience than what Watchmen brings in for us kind of the university you know this is a graphic novel kind of a and i'm happy to sell them that and have them come in and be excited about that but i think Whatever they're going to do isn't going to be that crowd. It's going to be the regular, actual comic buyers and the, like the comic universe and like what they're going to build off of it. I think that's who it's really going to hit. I so. agree.
0: And what about legacy?
1: Uh, legacy uh, again. Nobody's talking about. And I don't. I didn't hear a lot of talk. And this would be a question for our manager Sam, who has a better direct relationship right now with the customers coming in but it's from what i've heard they're not people aren't necessarily talking about it and again i was in new york on this first wave of release and nobody was talking about but we had good sales
0: yeah you know i always like to
1: ask what response retailers are getting because
0: you guys are the boots on the ground in this and uh, I, i know from firsthand experience being behind the counter at a comic book store yeah, people come up and they you know, they'll tell you what they think. And I agree it the buying habits aren't always reflective of what they're saying or not yeah. saying. They could be complaining about it and still buying it yeah. or not saying anything, and then you see it in their pile there. So yeah. I, I know it's it's a tough thing, and certainly when it comes to making your orders, you know, I mean I know I know what a challenge it is to try to gauge what sort of response you're going to get. Yeah. Uh, one other thing about New York that I was I was wondering about, so there are so many vendors there. So like for you in particular, what you know, what do you feel the draw was for your booth? It's like, how do you make your your stand stand out from all these other shops that are there?
1: Yeah, well, that's what I was saying. Like, it's hard to justify trying to do San Diego. You're selling the same product as everybody else. And sometimes with some shows, you'll see it's a race to the bottom. And how cheap you can get for sometimes but that doesn't do you any good when your expenses are so extremely high
0: yeah unless you're moving a tremendous it's amount of volume yeah, yeah.
1: and you're not going to be with that much competition particularly in new york so there's lots of rumors on the floor and so i don't know what rumors are true and everything's that i hear are you know maybe the 11th time somebody's told it, So who knows but definitely what i could see was in new york that a lot of like the funko pop dealers a lot of the big toy dealers they have been removed that had been there in years past so I think the rumor was they were going around and reviewing all the boosts and that next year we would see less competition, less, you know, some of us wouldn't be asked back or allowed oh, back. Oh, interesting. But again, I have no idea if that's true. You know, that's right. just people panicking when they don't see so many toy dealers there and so many Funko Pop dealers there, you know. So then people start talking. So who knows what's true. But uh, I think it's reflective of your question is you really got to make yourself stand out. And again, the lab coats go to that. Um, and then this year we brought in, I had brought in a, uh, marvel legends collection which of the old toy biz ones that i had picked up earlier this year and had been sitting on them for a number of months so this was the first show and i had a lot of rare pieces and that was different than what a lot of other people had because you know they don't always surface so and i knew there was going to be less toy dealers there from looking at what their list was so that's what we did we made that to bring people in and then it's hard to compete on the expensive vintage wall books uh, there are a lot of dealers that just do shows, and that's yeah. their specialty.
0: I noticed a lot of those really high end books. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And so I know I'm not going to be competitive on that level. I bring them because you know people want to see them, but that's not where I knew I was going to compete. So then we do. I do a lot of the mixed level things with these kinds of shows you have to be for me i found either you have to be very very specific and do what you're doing very well like doing the high-end books like those um, bigger dealers that do that or you have to be very very diverse and that's the route i've chosen so then i bring a lot of clearance um trades that uh, marvel or diamond liquidate and that does very well for me i do a lot of the mid-range books and then i do a lot of toys and then we also do novelty items so we do a lot of superhero masks and that does really really well for us um that's actually supported us through a lot of these shows because it's a little bit different than what other people are doing so yeah i find that you got to have all kinds of price levels from the really cheap to the really expensive because with these big shows you just don't know who you're going to get
0: right and so you mentioned read pop they're the organization that puts on new york comic-con their other big show is c2e2 right here in chicago Mm -hmm. do you participate in that one as well yeah
1: we do i mean that's a natural yeah we do c2e2 and we like that show a lot um it's just a few miles down the street from us, so and that the expenses are great because I don't have all the additional costs. Yeah, on that well, show. no, that's so we definitely that. a fact. It, yeah, yeah. it is a much smaller show than New York. Uh, it doesn't have the size of New York. I mean, New York is its own thing, but it is a great show, and Pop does a good job of running it. It looks good. Um, it's very classy. Looks nice. They have a good good set of panels. Usually, they have good turnout. So it's a great show. I recommend it.
0: I've never been, but I'm hoping to be able to go uh, this April. It would be great. It's my birthday weekend, but I feel like that'd be a great way to celebrate.
1: (laughs) It is. And if you were concerned about space, there's tons of space because Chicago has, I mean, the McCormick Place is the biggest convention. I don't know if this is true in the country, but it is huge. And so they have a lot of space. So the aisles are huge. It feels great. You should come. Good time for a party.
0: Yeah. You know, I have to say, so I've lived in New York my whole life in Lower Westchester, just outside the city. Mm -hmm. And- Chicago. And I, and I love where I live. Chicago is probably the one place though, because I've, I've traveled a fair bit. Chicago is kind of the one place where I'm like, if I had to live anywhere else, I, I think I'd be very happy living here because yeah. it's, there's obviously a lot going on. It's, it's a major city, but you don't have the congestion that you have in Manhattan. And I find yeah. it's just a really nice balance. I like it here a lot.
1: Yeah. You can breathe a little bit. Um, we still have the unfortunate traffic, but, um, but yeah, just the physical space is so nice. And then with the lake being there, You can look somewhere and not just see buildings. So it just feels expansive. Yeah, it's a great city.
0: Right. So zeroing back in on your store here, so you're Mm -hmm. located in Hyde Park. Can Mm -hmm. you tell me a little bit about this area? I mean, we just drove through it really quickly (laughs) getting here.
1: So like I said, to me, it feels like I'm in a college town, not in Chicago, but we are actually in Chicago proper. Um, There's a university, University of Chicago. So it is a university neighborhood um, and it's very diverse. It's taken its pride on the fact that it has a diverse community which i like and so the store what that means for, translate to the store is it gives us a very diverse customer base in terms of economics in terms of cultural background and stuff so it allows us to be able to carry it you know because i love comics it allows me to carry everything i don't have to just focus in on university i can so we have lots and lots of kids we have a huge market for children we have a huge market for college students we have a huge market for just um older fans that want the classic stuff you know so we have a wide array so we get to order everything which it makes it much more interesting yeah
0: that's very cool and you have a gaming section as well which yeah is what so we're sitting in right now yeah
1: we have a game room a, a room set aside for gaming which we also sell board games and warhammer and all of that so we do all the gaming uh, we do big magic store a lot of magic and you have a couple of
0: levels here to this store
1: yeah it's a uh, it, yeah We're on the second level, but that's a little misleading because it makes it sound like it's right overhead. It's just more like a platform, you know what I mean? So you go up and then you're on a, it doesn't have like, there's not a floor underneath it too, you know? Right, right, right.
0: But still, it's. I mean, that's one thing. It's been so funny going to all of these stores and just seeing how much more space a lot of these shops have to work with. Uh, that is kind of store. Yeah. I mean, not like it was tiny, but, um, you know, we didn't. I'm, I've been going to a lot of stores that have entire additional retail spaces next door that yeah. they use or, you know, a side store or a second level or basement whatever. And it's just so funny. I mean, it's it's great to have that. I oh, mean, we wow. love that.
1: I started out very, very small. We started in five hundred square feet. So That's right. yeah, I
0: read that you you moved to uh, to the second. Yeah, operation. we were on a
1: different street, and it literally was in a small five hundred square foot kind of office space. And you literally had to ring buzz the door downstairs to get to that office, right? So then you'd have to buzz and say, "Can I come up to First Aid Comics?" And we'd buzz and let you in. So trust me, I understand small spaces. I, I'm a big believer in not starting out big and not buying more space than you can actually afford. I mean, we added the other space just. Uh, what a year ago just over a year ago um and i i don't know that we were ready for it but when that space opened i couldn't wait i was afraid somebody else would rent it and it would be years so we just went for it and it's worked out knock on wood you know um and it's great it does space feel so much better than being jammed into space but yeah i can see you know in new york you got to do what you got to do you know that's like when i started i was like okay i'm not signing a five-year lease and i'm not renting all this space that I'm going to be trapped personally paying. So I started on Small Space and you can make it work. It's just, it's tricky. Right. Yeah.
0: So can you give me a little sense of your comic shop history? I think I read that you started, uh, was it working at a store when you were 12?
1: Yeah. So my mother dragged me to my first shop. I was she not. She dragged you? Oh yeah. I Normally was not, it's the
0: other way around. No,
1: no. She dragged me because I hated reading and I wasn't very good at it. And to me, reading was very difficult. And she wanted me to also learn the joy of reading. You know, you, at school, you know, you got to learn to read and, learn all the rules but she also wanted me to learn the love of it so she dragged me into this little shop and uh got me hooked on comics and i began to learn and understand why people read and the greatness of stories and then you know obviously improved my reading as many people have experienced but that got me into the store and then you know i ended up i'd run and get burger king for the owner
0: so what was what was that first store? so
1: i used to work for graham cracker comics and uh met the owner and then that's the guy you would go get burger king for. yes i would get burger king and then i get a free comic and then he was like here process this box and he would teach me how to you know how to handle the books and i learned the business from him uh and worked there for many years uh managed some of their stores i traveled with him did shows uh did a lot of the did some internet business for them you know used to put stuff up online for them.
0: and i know they are a large chain in the chicago area with a dozen is, stores
1: chain is misleading there's uh 10 stores now i think it's been a number i haven't worked there obviously in many many years so uh, i'm not in the loop on on anything so anything that i'm saying take worth a grain of salt because it may not be true but historically speaking yeah and it's not a chain it's it's you know a couple owners and they own all of them Gotcha. okay yes you know what i mean technically not a chain. technically not a chain people refer to it as a chain uh but it's technically not they have a lot of stores um so you were manager there for a number of years oh yeah quite a few i grew up in the store Okay. and went off to college and then went on to another failed career and then came back and uh then i got into the business for myself so okay yeah so you opened up here or not this specific location
0: but you opened up first aid comics in 2008 uh
1: yes uh so basically i was in my little tiny upstairs space uh and uh, president obama had just won and uh people were in the streets celebrating and. They had closed down 53rd, and I was like, Mr. Police Officer, please let me get up to my store, my little store, my little car overloaded with product. And he's just shaking. I said, what are you doing? People are in the streets celebrating, and I'm carrying product <laughs> up to my store. So yeah, that was, that was when we opened. I'll never forget it. It was crazy. Crazy time. Yeah, so.
0: I mean, the, the timing of it is interesting. So did you find that?
1: No, yeah, the timing was amazing, and it was not. I like to claim that I'm brilliant and that I plan it, but it wasn't because – um Right when I opened, then Marvel announced they were going to do Amazing Spider-Man 583 and it was going to have a variant of the president on the cover. So I was like, great, this is great. People are going to want this. They're going to try and find, you know, even though I'm hard to find with my A-frame sign on the sidewalk and pushing the buzzer to go upstairs. So they're going to they're going to want this. They're going to seek me out. So I go to order it and they're like, well, you didn't order the previous qualifying issue. And I know this sounds familiar with what we're going through right now. Uh, you didn't, you didn't order the right issue. You don't, your account was around, so you can't order this variant. Ugh. And I'm like, I'm in Hyde Park, the president's hometown. I'm getting calls left and right. I need hundreds of copies of this book. So I know a lot of people in the industry. So I called, a um, shop this along around Brainstorm. I uh, knew the owner, uh, Robert um, Kimmons, and he was a, a good friend and Thankfully, he allowed me to order through his account, and I ordered a bunch, and I had a lot, but I didn't have anywhere near enough. I mean, it just was an amazing response to it, and the, basically the neighborhood found me from that issue. I mean, I couldn't have planned that. And I really do think that's why I made it through those first year or two. It was just uh, that discovery in that first month that I was open was amazing. I'm at 583.
0: It's, it's so crazy. Fun- yeah, it's so funny to hear that because— this actually came up in the previous episode when i was speaking with patrick at, at challengers and we were talking about specifically when publishers will spoil the events of a of a particular comic in a major news publication to generate buzz mm-hmm. and of course that spoils the comic for the you know the the loyal readers but what it also does is it it does encourage speculators. People will come to the store and try to get it because they think that you know they'll be able to make money off of right. it down the line. And I feel like the Obama cover of Amazing Spider-Man probably falls into that category. And I know for a lot of stores, like for us at Alternate Realities, honestly, we hated stuff like that because people yeah. would come in looking for it. And it was the kind of thing where then we would have less for our regular customers. And these were people who, generally speaking, in our experience, didn't become regular customers. They didn't come back. They just yeah. wanted this one thing because they right. thought they were going to make money off of it. And then that was it. So it was the kind of, and they would want to buy as many copies as they could and we would have to impose limits. And it was it was a whole thing. It wasn't really something that we welcomed. But obviously for you, it helped a lot. So, yeah. I mean, what is your your attitude towards stuff like that?
1: Well, I mean- Marvel's going to do what Marvel's going to do, right? So you got to figure out how to make it work for you. Um, and I that kind of stuff, when you get something that goes, you know, remember when uh, Captain America was shot and that was, yeah. you know, you go way back when Superman was killed, but when that had that big Captain America, a more recent one, and it just went crazy on the news and, you know, it was just a scramble to get copies. When you get people that come in that just buy that one book and leave, you just got to look at it as advertising because that person it's going to say, now they know your shop, they know where you are, and somebody's going to say, hey, you should take the nephews, or I need to get something for you know somebody else. And so it, Word of mouth is still the biggest advertising piece that any of us have, especially with the limited budget most comic shops have. So it's an advertising moment, so you want to put your best foot forward. So if you have the product, you sell it. If you don't have it, you help the customer figure out where to get it, and you clean up your store and make it look as nice as possible when the, all those people come in because they're going to talk to people. You know, that's how I look at it. It's totally an advertising moment. And you don't worry about whether you made money on the issue or not. You make sure that you made that customer happy when they came in.
0: And I mean, I suppose there is an opportunity to be had. I mean, I'm sure there are some people who wouldn't want to hear anything other than here's the issue, you know, thank you. And that's it. Yeah. But maybe someone would be open to hearing about some other titles that are out there. I mean, maybe you can turn somebody who from a speculator into a reader. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, you you're you can't on the
1: stop people from speculating. That's part of the industry. Uh, it has its ups, it has its downs of when it's strong and isn't and I know uh, purists and true readers drives them crazy. but it's just a, you know it's if you think about the industry like movies, you have to have your blockbusters that support the whole industry and then you do your your art films on the side, the stuff that people believe is real quality. you know it's the same thing in the comics industry. you have to have the things that drive it. And advertise it and then you have your some of the great smaller press stuff that comes out that stuff doesn't get to exist if shops don't make money off of that big stuff you know we got to keep the doors open I'm happy I want I love Daniel Klaus you know I love it I grew up reading that stuff I love it but it's not driving my business you know unfortunately it's the lenticular covers and it's doomsday clock that are driving my business right No, you I, know I understand. so that's my attitude towards it it's just you want to keep all those customers happy they're just customers
0: no your point is well taken i guess i would i guess the distinction i would make is between a like a diehard dc marvel collector who you know, buys all of the events because they want to have every issue in a run and they want to know what's going on and they're into the continuity of it versus, right. I guess when I say speculator, I mean someone who has like no interest in comics and they're really just coming in because they heard it on the news and they think they're going to make money off of it. But so on the note of the Obama issue, uh, so I mean, what did you find after that? I mean, those people who came in Uh, I mean, I'm assuming at least some of them stuck around and became Mm -hmm. customers. Was that the case? I mean, what did you find with that? Uh,
1: Some of it, yes. So that's true, yes. But more importantly, what it did was because uh, Hyde Park is a close-knit neighborhood, and we're very lucky. We live in a neighborhood where people want to support small businesses. That's great. They really don't want the name brands coming in versus the university that wants – the name brands coming in so they can attract more students. So there's always this kind of battle going on in the neighborhood. And I don't really understand all the po- politics of, it. I just kind of keep my head down and do my thing. But um, what it did was it, it just said to all the neighborhood folks, cause you know, I had a lot of people that were are not interested in comics, but really wanted to support this president. Or uh, at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So. um, (laughs)
0: Obviously, you know, from this area. Yeah. Right. He lives.
1: His house is just a few blocks away. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this is I mean, people in the neighborhood knew him personally, you know, and know him. So and he comes back to the neighborhood to see the house. So uh, so it just basically told everybody in the neighborhood, hey, we're here. It just put us on the map, you know. So, And then when people said, hey, don't you don't have to go somewhere else. Just go to the shop in town.
0: My conversation with James will resume in just a moment. In the meantime, I wanted to introduce two more of our podcast sponsors. Our next sponsor is actually not a comic shop at all. It is Stonegate Wine and Spirits in Valhalla, New York, owned and operated by former alternate realities friend of the store, Patrick Boland. Stonegate carries everything from great wine and spirits to the finest and rarest bottlings from all the world's regions. The store is open seven days a week, Sunday through Thursday until 9 p.m., Fridays and Saturdays until 10 p.m. Open the latest in the county. All libations for all occasions. I have to say, Patrick is as enthusiastic, passionate, and knowledgeable about wine and spirits as anyone I've ever met, so be sure to stop in and I'm sure he'll have a great recommendation for you. We also have as a sponsor, All Yeah Comics in beautiful downtown Harrison, New York. You might recall that All Yeah was featured in the premiere episode this season. All Yeah celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics, toys, artwork, and the joy they bring to people. It's a terrific family-friendly shop, and they also have a superb statue collection. Admittedly, that last part is a little self-serving because most of the statues there are mine on consignment, but it doesn't make it any less true. I also want to take the opportunity to let you know about an event taking place at All Yeah on Saturday, January 20th, 2018 from 1pm to 5pm. The podcast will be on hiatus then, so I wanted to let you know about this now. All Yeah! is partnering with the Westport Library for the Write Your Graphic Novel mini-conference. And I will actually be on hand to interview comic book artist Cliff Chang, who has drawn Wonder Woman, Paper Girls, and much more. We'll be talking all about Cliff's creative process and his path from editor to comic book creator. It should be a really fun time. If you're around, please come and check it out. The program will conclude with a screening of my first film, My Comic Shop Documentary. So if you've never seen it or if you wanted to watch it again, now's your chance. Hope to see you then. And now, back to First Aid. So you had this experience working at and managing uh, Graham Cracker Comics, which, again, not technically a chain, but they have all of these locations. (laughs) What were some of the things that maybe you weren't able to do there that you were able to do at your own store?
1: Well, I mean, definitely when you open your own store, it's it's eye-opening, the financial part of it. You know, when you misorder something and you're spending somebody else's money, it's like, oh, I got that wrong. Man, that's... I'll get the next one right. Don't worry. When it's your own money, you're like, "Uh, I can't afford to get this wrong. What am I going to do with this product? I need to get my money back out of it. So then you really start trying to figure out the ins and outs of the business and how to move things elsewhere besides your store. Um, And that was – and I actually had learned that um, because I wasn't that disrespectful working for them. You know what I mean? So I really didn't want to get things wrong. So. (laughs) It's really pushed me to do. That's why we do a lot of shows. We generally don't go to places like New York. We generally stay Midwest shows. Um, but I do a lot of shows. We do eBay, Amazon. So we're always trying to find other ways to move product, you know. And that way, because I really want, it's it's a catch twenty two. As I'm sure, all of your stores have said. You know, you want to get your numbers right. If, if, you know, if it's the lenticulars, it's frustrating because they're going to come in and ask you for it. And you couldn't qualify for it. It's frustrating, you know, and it's bad because then they're going to go somewhere else looking for it and they might just like where they go, you know, so you want to overorder sometimes to make sure you have it. But then you're like, oh, how am I going to move this now? You know?
0: Um, just circling back to again your experience managing another store and then opening your own, uh, I guess were there any initiatives or anything to do with store display or really anything um, that you you just didn't have the opportunity to do at the other store for whatever reason that you were like okay now's my chance I can I can do this I can realize this vision.
1: Mm. And no, honestly, I mean it was a. Good, good, good experience where I worked and I got to do a a bit of everything and I was there for so many years. Um,
0: Well, then I guess maybe the flip of that, were there particular things that you said, okay, this is being done really well here. I want to try to emulate this in my own store.
1: uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) sorry, that's not a very good answer. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think uh, what I, because it was nice, I was one of the main stores that I ran for a lot of years was uh, in the city store and the owners didn't particularly care to come into the city. So I had a, a tremendous amount of freedom to do an experiment with what I wanted to do. And one of those things is I believe in is, um, especially in the city stores. I find that customer service and just in general, comic shops have a bad reputation of comic guy, crabby behind the counter, you know, women aren't welcome, you know, that kind of reputation, whether that's true or not. Right that that persists with customers out there because of things like Simpsons and other media things where it's it's a good joke, right? So you're constantly combating that. So I've always looked to find a, a way around that. And so the customer service aspect, how can you break through some of that? And I started testing that and trying things, you know, when I was first running things, um, I had all the employees refer to the club members by their last name. So Mr. Miss, whatever. Oh, okay. That just to create a kind of a more formal was when you're referring to somebody that way, it immediately puts you into a more formal language. I've moved away from that since I don't do that, but you know, that kind of experimentation with, with some of the customer service stuff. Um, and that's where one of the things for the lab coats too was, you know, I, I hate coming into a store and people are wearing t-shirts and jeans. It's like, wait, who works here? You know, and I, I know some stores do it because it works well to create kind of a community. And like, I'm your buddy as opposed to, I am the clerk. But the, at the end of the day, the customer still wants a clerk. They may, Treat you like their friend, but at the end of the day, it's their dollar they're spending, and if you don't give them the customer service as a clerk, then it it does make a difference.
0: It's that's such an interesting take on this, and I I, I want to explore it a little bit more because you know at Alternate Realities, our whole thing was friendship and fun and the camaraderie, and you know we were in t-shirts and jeans, yeah. and it was you know we had a a weekly tradition where all of us would go out to dinner on a Saturday night. The owner, customers, employees—I mean, it was—I don't know that those walls between customer and employee were, were really that strong. I mean, mm-hmm. they were there, but uh, again, that that camaraderie was such a big part of it. And that's not to say you don't have the camaraderie. here. I mean you might, I mean, I don't know offhand. And mm-hmm. I guess that's my question. It's like, are you still able to cultivate that sense of community if you are in a lab code and you are referring to them yeah. by their last name? Or is or is there well, that we, wall we, more
1: and, more and the moving away from the last name we have we've moved away from that. That was just something that tried years ago gotcha. to create that kind of formal language to start to treat people more like Less bud like, right? You know what I mean? But no, we definitely have the camaraderie. And, and you know, comic shops it used to be, and this is less so even now, but it used to be when, when I started out and in the customer service world is that when those customers came in and you did get Spider Man, the first Spider Man movie with Tobey Maguire or something, they couldn't talk about it at the office. Their spouse most likely wasn't interested in it. So when they came to the comic shop, that was the one time they could talk about it. So even though you had talked about it a hundred times the customer was talking about for the first time and it was a first time conversation. So You always have that conversation and you, you know, you're their bud for that minute. So they can have that conversation. But then when they're done with that conversation, they're ready to be checked out with a polite, hello, your total is please pay this. Thank you for coming. We really appreciate your business. You know what I mean? And then that's Then you can go back to being a bud, but there's that transition there, that formal transition. I don't know. It's not something that I push, but it's something that's, I'm always thinking about, you know, um, And definitely people come in and hang out. We definitely have that. And then when mom comes in with her baby carriage and she's not there to hang out and talk about the new movie, she just wants some customer service and she wants to check out. Then we're prepared for that because we formally have set it up. Do you know what I mean? Then we're taking care of both Mm -hmm. customers. I got you. So,
0: you know, one thing that I've noticed with not every retailer, but certainly a good number and certainly the retailer I spent the most time with, Steve, at at Alternate Realities Mm -hmm. is a lot of them, a lot of you like to hold court. I mean, there are a number of stores, I mean, from alternate realities to some of the other ones that I've gone to where, you know, you can go in and it's like, Hey, what's going on? And, and they'll regale you with stories and what's going on in the shop. I mean, where, where do you kind of fall in that spectrum?
1: Uh, that's previous uh, years ago. I used to do that, particularly when I was running uh, the other stores for brand um, Now that I have my own store and I've got an excellent manager who actually reads a lot of the books that I don't read anymore, uh, who's up to date and knows what's going on. He runs our social media, does an excellent job. And it's like, can't handle social media so he does all of that he's really good he kind of does more holding the court talking with the customers i also have rihanna who works for us um part-time and she she's our gaming expert and she's brilliant and she can handle all that stuff so both of them between them they tag team all that stuff and they hold the court now if i'm in the store i'm usually crabby and yelling about something why isn't this working um and i try not to do it but i often do it too much but um wednesdays i'm here and then i I'll do a little bit. I do a little bit of the old talking about stuff and customers that started out with me when I was by myself, of course, still that I had over all the years still, you know, want to talk and hang out. But uh, no, I try and push as much of that on the two of them as I can now, because I'm not always in the store. I'm traveling a lot. So that that trait uh, to
0: to hold court, do you think that's something that's innate in the person that draws them to a comic shop? Or is is there something about a comic shop that draws them at draws that out of the person behind the counter?
1: Uh, I don't know. We need psychologists for that. <laughs> I, 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 mean, there's, well, there's a are, point, there's a point where it is. Medical <laughs> it's true. Um, there's a point where that's, uh, effective and there's a point where that's not effective. If it really is self-aggrandizement and right. they really just want to tell you what you should be reading, it's a really bad thing. Um, because whether you're coming in to buy spawn or whether you're coming in to buy, um, watchmen, or whether you're coming in to buy the English Captain America, I'm happy to sell it to you. I, I can find value personally and all that. But I'd rather have that you found value in it. Because honestly, none of us are very cool. Our product is cool. Come see cool product. You know what I mean? That's what – that's really – I don't want you to think, oh, those guys at First Aid Comics are cool. That's why I'm going to go there. You know, he holds a great court. If that's the reason they're coming <laughs> – you're in trouble. I, I mean, at least I think so. I mean, unless your personality is really stellar, but then maybe you should be in television or movies. So what we really want people to remember is, God, they have really good product. They have a huge selection of trades. Even though I'm only going to buy the 10 most popular trades, I get to see all of it there. You know, I, in that sense, that's really cool. They have vintage stuff. They have toys. They've got the Warhammer. I'm not into Warhammer, but I love looking at it. You know, I want cool product. I think that's what's going to bring people back. And then as long as I'm not mean to them, most likely they'll tolerate us. You know what I mean? <laughs> no. I mean, we want them to like us. But I, I really don't think that should be your driving force. And if they feel judged when you're holding court, then you're going to lose those customers. And I don't want my, any of my customers to feel judged. I am happy right. for them to find what they love about something. If they just want really cool art and they don't really care about the story, great. You know, So it's just it just depends on what people want. And I'm happy to sell it to them.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, certainly, rent. Yeah. <laughs> certainly with Steve at alternate realities, I mean, I, you know, I certainly always took it as a positive and I, I think the customers did too. I mean, people got to know him very well and vice versa. I mean that mm-hmm. again, going back to that whole camaraderie that was very present at the store. I mean, that was, you know, he really engaged with people Yeah. Um. kind of on that note, but maybe shifting a little bit. I came across an interview where you said that you you like the junk shop aspect. I do. Of certain stores. No, it's interesting because, you know, we're really at at the end of the season here. This is the penultimate episode of season three of my comic shop history. So I've spoken to a lot of stores. And certainly the trend that I've seen among the stores that I've gone to is, I mean, I've seen a ton of really clean, well-lit, organized stores, which is very different than the store where I worked. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I see why it makes sense. You know, you want to have that kind of welcoming environment. But I do know that there are people who like that element of discovery, who like being able to dig through boxes. Yeah. Uh, so I guess for you, you know, having your personal preferences, but then also recognizing the needs of a store and its customers, how do you balance that?
1: Well, it just goes back to everything else we've been talking about. You want to be diverse enough to take care of the whole customer base. You know, so if you do the junk shop where everything's just piled up and you haven't cleaned the racks in 10 years, and if you dig far enough back, you're going to find something 10 years old that's now hot. Um, If you do that, that's only a select clientele. You you know, you're just automatically cutting people out. And as we already know, the industry is shrinking in terms of – true readership or collecting or going back for the old stuff. It's all the movies are driving everything right now. And there's all these new customers that have money that want to spend it. And they're coming in and buying novelty items. They're not buying single issues and stuff. So it's a, but they keep the lights on, right? So that the true readers that want to get the new books, we can afford to be open for them. Do you know what I mean? Right. So for me, it's like, I do both. So we have, as you come up to the landing, the second floor, that's not really a second floor, We do, we have a back issues, but we're limited because I can only fit so many in that space. Now I have another room stacked high with boxes that I want to put out, but I can't physically put them out. That should really be trades or it should be toys. There's more money in that, but I've been doing this for so long. I can't, I mean, I grew up filing back issues. That was my job. You know, I filed back issues all day because we sold so many, you know, and I have to have back issues. I just, I can't let it go. You know, right now, even back issue market isn't buying like nobody's collecting a run of Avengers.
0: Right. There's actually something that came up in the previous episode uh, when I was talking to challengers and they mm -hmm. said that the market for back issues in this area in Chicago has has really died down. Have you been
1: finding that, too? Well, it's growing for me because so many stores aren't doing back issues. So I'm picking up (laughs) those customers because there are customers out there that want them. And there are guys like me that think a run of Avengers from one to current is a cool thing. And now Marvel's doing this legacy numbers. So I think that will encourage people to go, Oh, I can get back into the numbering again. Cause it, you know, but yes, no, that those days are over with even regular back issue buyers are only buying first appearances So for Avengers. They buy one and they buy 57 and you know, they buy the key issues. That's what people want right now. And that's fine. But it, you know, it's just me being old and, be nostalgic for the old days I, you know i just i just love and i love for me they stopped being comics in the late 80s and once the 90s hit it was break the page and you know it became mini movies in each comic and that's really cool and i like that but it, to me it's still not my eight panels and you know yeah. i'm one of the guys that everybody in the industry complains about like come on you got to grow we got to do all these new things and i'm like Yes, I know you're right, but can I love my <laughs> my past? Can I love it? I dwell on the past forever, but no, I mean I understand. And I you know, it's funny actually. This is totally segue. I don't know if you want to talk about this, but I I hear people complain about Marvel diversifying their characters and stuff. I I personally, I personally love it. I just think the market needs to grow. We need more customers. We need to have a diverse array of comics. I have we, we have such a diverse group of people that come in here and they're looking for stuff they want to and particularly parents want to have their kid pick something up that they can they can see that, that superhero looks like me you know i could be that yep. superhero you know i just think that's so important and, uh i think that's going to grow the market um and i know a lot of people are complaining and saying it's hurting but i, I totally disagree and i'm not seeing that in my shop but that also is my customer base so I'm probably might be the exception. I don't know what the rest of the industry's like. It's that's anecdotal. So,
0: no, I'm glad you brought that up. I wasn't specifically planning to get into that, but it, you know, I know it is a hot topic right now, and I know most recently there was a little bit of a kerfuffle at New York Comic Con yeah. where there was a retailer who uh, you know brought that issue up um, at a was it the retailer practice or a Marvel panel or uh, yeah,
1: Susie, um, Tom and Susie. So we're two stores. Uh, Tom and Susie own the link uh, the. Little Italy store, and I own the Hype Park store, and we worked That's together. Right, yeah, there are we're, two first
0: aid comics yeah, locations. Yeah,
1: and we worked together as one store. Uh, I guess we're more of a franchise than anybody else. But um, So she was actually there. She told me all about it. So I w- I didn't witness it, but I did hear about the kerfuffle, as you called it. Hey. But, I mean, it is an interesting issue. So
0: one of the stores that was featured earlier in the season is Amalgam Comics and Coffee House mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. And that was something that we spoke about a lot is the – importance of diversity in comics in mm-hmm. terms of the characters depicted on the page, as well as the people who are making the comics. And the argument for that is that there are, as you said, all different kinds of people who are coming into a store and it's important that they see themselves reflected. Mm-hmm. and
1: Particularly kids.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I guess the, I guess the counter argument that people, whether it's fans or retailers have made is that you know, you have, for example, all of these comic book adaptations and film and television. And those, generally speaking, are the classic versions of the characters. Mm-hmm. Steve Rogers is Captain America, Tony Stark is Iron Man. And if that person sees the movie and then comes into the store and they see somebody completely different in the pages of Captain America or Iron Man, they might be put off. That you know, s- seems to be the argument. Yeah. What, what is it that you find in, in reality?
1: Well, there's plenty of Steve Rogers as Captain America comics. I, you know, it have to be the most recent one on the shelf. That's a good point. I, I mean, there's plenty that you can sell them. Uh, yeah, I don't buy that, um and I don't buy people saying that. Well, you should just make new characters for them. I mean, being in the business, I see how hard it is to create a new character and get it to have any traction. You know, so for me, I don't think that's a that's a solid argument, just in terms of from a business standpoint. You, ke- it's really hard. To, it does happen, and there are the exceptions, and it's great when it happens, but generally the branding that has happened on these classic characters that have been around for, you know, that drives their sales. There's
0: value in that. There's
1: value in that. And when you say, okay, now you're an African American character or, you know, person of color or female or whatever, the diverse diversity is that you're adding, you know, then it has that built in sales potential because it has the name on it. So I think that's important. And, um, and especially if you're, you know, you're ten, it's like, well, I don't want, gotcha, man. I want Captain America and I want to, or, you know, I want to be Miles, you know, Spider-Man. That's a great character, you know, it's cool. Right.
0: And it seems in some cases, you know, both versions of the characters now are running around mm-hmm. with the yeah. same identity. So, you know, cause we do have Miles and we have Peter yeah. Parker, both are Spider-Man it's, in the current continuity.
1: It opens up so many story potentials. I don't understand why it has to be now you're limited. But to me, it says now you've got all these new stories you can write and you can run with both of them if you want, if, you know, if you really have the demand or you, maybe people could try the new character and they might like it.
0: I also think there's a, a bit of a hole in the argument that, you know, these are the versions that are in the TV shows and movies and the comics should reflect that because I don't know what your experience has been like here and I would like to get your take. But what we found at our store and what I've heard from at least some of the stores that I've been to, it doesn't always seem like. The movies and TV shows are driving people into the stores. I mean, at least again, in our case, that really was 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 not what was happening. I mean, mm-hmm. do you find that here? I mean, are people coming in saying, Oh, I just saw Spider-Man Homecoming? I want some Spider-Man comics?
1: It depends on the movie. And I don't I'm not smart enough to know which movies it works for and which movies it doesn't. But yeah, some movies people come in and they say, I just saw, I wanna read Doctor Strange was one of those. People are like, okay. I wanna know more about Doctor Strange. That was really good. I don't know anything about Doctor Strange. But you didn't have to sell them the newest issue in the series right i mean you could sell them anything and particularly we tried to sell them we tend to be more of a graphic novel store so we sell them a trade that gives them a little bit of history of dr strange or his origins so yeah so they come in but they're not coming in to buy the weekly issue they don't they're not buying the series they want a story it's you know like dvds or tv shows you don't watch it by the episode anymore you watch it by the season so they come in and they give me this story they're not regular readers so i don't think that people go to the movies and come in and say well how come the newest issue doesn't reflect what the movie is right you know
0: yeah i know it's it's funny and i guess i wonder too for you know retailers for example who who make that argument is that what they're actually finding that people are coming in and maybe they do want the newest issue and they're actually put off or are they it's speculating awesome. or projecting. I mean, well, I, I mean, don't know. It's,
1: it's what you talked about earlier. So, right. So, a lot of these shops you're going to are newer, cleaner, well lit, you know, right? The whole industry is changing. So, and we're caught in a place, retailers, of figuring out how to make the old model, which is here's the list of books that are coming out next month. You pre subscribe to those. I'm going to, you're going to, I've got 20 people that want this book. I'm going to order 25, five for the shelf and 20 for my customers. I know my number now. It doesn't matter that I can't return it because I know my number and they're going to do that every month. That's the old model. And the reality is with the movies and the novelty items and graphic novels, because graphic novels, that's what killed the back issues, right? I don't need to buy a run of Avengers. I'm going to buy 10 trades. I've got it all. I can read the story and enjoy it. Right. That's a whole new customer base. So now it's changed our whole model. So what drive, what's going to drive me, what's going to drive my customer base to come in. It's getting harder and harder to depend on that. So there could very well be stores that are running on that old model solely. And and this is me speculating and I may be offending people. I don't know, but maybe they're running on that model. And so when those customers come in, that's what they have to sell them as that new single issue. And it doesn't match up. It doesn't work for them. If they don't have the diversity of product, you know to say here's a trade or here's something with that matches more to the movie you know that so it could be true i mean who knows because we all run on different models and um but i just think it's really interesting time in the industry because we're changing so much so a good example um for us that really hurt us i'm trying to remember what marvel event it was um i think it was secret wars the last issue was like months delayed yeah yeah it was super delayed and then all the other marvel titles that were coming out were secret wars related so you couldn't just come in and buy x-men you couldn't just come in and buy amazing spider-man and i thought well this isn't a big deal we're more like a bookstore people are still going to come but we really suffered because people didn't come in those single issues still drive the market that's new wednesday still the day to come you know new book day wednesday so even though the model of the store of subscription based with weeklies coming out it's still it's still there it's it hasn't gone away yet it still drives a lot of our business um yeah, because that, that was one. that was a real wake up call to me go Oh, nobody's coming in because they can't buy anything. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> there's nothing to, to get. There's no Spider-Man. There's no X-Men, you know, and I don't remember what DC was putting out at the time, but whatever it was, it wasn't it wasn't compensating for that. Those big Marvel issues. So.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I know there can be a danger for retailers, right? If, you, if you're if you not carrying one of those lenticular covers or if you get shorted something from Diamond yeah. or something well, that comes damaged. Oh, that never happens. What are you talking about? <laughs> we'll circle back to that. But, <laughs> you know, but if something like that happens and one of your customers, they need their fix and they go somewhere else. I mean, yeah. you know, there is always that risk. I mean, you, always, you know, you hope yeah. they're loyal to you and they'll come back, but there's always that risk that you might lose them. Yeah. I mean,
1: something that I've talked about with other retailers we laugh about is, I'm sorry, that sounds terrible not that we were laughing at anybody but just how amazing it is and how uh flattering it is how loyal customers are in the comic industry because any other business you know like ice cream shops most if they have bad ice cream you're just gonna go get different ice cream somewhere else right but comic shops you you know people put up with stuff you know they're very loyal and it's very it's very nice it's it's great but yeah so you do worry about it though because that loyalty you don't want to take it for granted or abuse it right so when you don't have something for somebody you feel terrible you're like ah i know i'm supposed to have this for you but i don't have it you know and then you're afraid oh there you go somewhere else they're, they're gonna have tons of it and they're like why don't i go to this store they can get it easy my shop can't get this you know you don't you just don't want that narrative right. and if it does happen once or twice okay but if it starts repeatedly happening then you go oh, that's bad you don't want that narrative starting you know so.
0: so we touched on, you know, potential damages and shortages. I, I read an yeah. interview you gave where I, I think the question was something like, you know, what do you wish was different about the industry? And you said the number of distributors.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> now uh, you're going to get me in trouble with Diamond. I, you know, I've met a lot of very nice people at Diamond. And when there is a short, which is going to happen, I mean, it's just – it's because we get shorts when we pull it for club, right? So we're not any better than Diamond. We short our customers. Sometimes we miss something on a pull list. You know it happens? It's because you're physically – reading something or taking something and picking it up and putting it in a box. So it's going to happen. And they're pretty good about fixing the problem. Um, but yes, I mean, it, it would be better if, and who knows, maybe Disney's Disney with Disney dollars, maybe they'll just decide, Hey, we're only releasing Marvel comics in Disney stores and we're doing our own distribution, <laughs> which will change everything. Uh, what I, but
0: yeah, you know, I have to say, and I don't, I don't want to generalize, but for the time that diamond has come up over the course of this season, there hasn't been as much negativity expressed toward them as maybe you might expect or in years past. Yeah. I mean, and the, the idea that there are a lot of people working there, I mean that, you know, that's come up and some people have had really positive experiences with the people they've dealt with. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess if there's been one complaint that I've heard more than once, it's that there's for those particular stores, uh, a lot of turnover in their rep and or not having a rep for an extended period of time. Mm -hmm. That's really, that seems to be the main criticism that I've heard. Over the course of the season, I, I I've heard far more criticism about the lenticular cover yeah. debate. <laughs> you know that that's that's come up far more than than diamond
1: necessarily. I mean, you know, look, diamond controls it. I mean, if they don't want to sell to you, you're out of business, right? So, yeah, no, my experience has been fine. There's there's a number of reps that have been. There. There's one rep in particular that's been there as long as I've been in the industry and. Occasionally, I'll get him if I go into the queue and wait for just a general rep as opposed to my specific rep, and I'll think, "God, you're still there." I like that. Um, do you use their point of sale system? We do. Uh, I am not a fan, uh, um, but we are using it. Yes.
0: What are What are its short? So I never had the So I never had the opportunity to get my hands on it because well, it, it was, I'm not
1: I'm not a fair judge because I don't like technology. I mean, if it was my way, we would be using the old. Actually, our computer crashed and died for a few weeks, and we had to bring out the old cash register. And I was in seventh heaven. I just loved it. <laughs> just pushing the button. I, I mean, I, and I use, I don't know if, I don't know who your customer who's listening to all of us, but if any of you are in the industry and you know, Comtrack, I've been using that for, for years. I love it. It's so great, but no, uh, we are, we are comics. We, we are using it. Um, and I, I'm not a good person cause I just don't like technology. So I'm probably not the best perspective on whether it's good or not.
0: I mean, are there specific things that you would want to see implemented? Uh no. No, no. no.
1: Yeah, I just don't have a lot of thoughts on it. We're we're using it now. We're we're transferring over to it. We i I've been use I've had it for a long time. We've used it more as a cash register than we have used it as a inventory tool, but now we're using it as everything. We're using switching so gotcha. over completely to it. Which frightens me because then your all your eggs are in one basket, but right it's it should work it's it's connected right to diamond it just it makes sense to do it
0: yeah i mean like i said i never had the opportunity to get my hands on it it was around before alternate realities closed but the owner was very you know he he had ran the store for 23 years before he closed it Mm -hmm. and he was very set in his ways and every every sunday without fail he would do the cycle sheet count where he would count every single book on the shelf and write it down on a piece of paper and then he would he would type it into the computer. Yeah. That was how he did it. And, yeah. you know, w- you know, we definitely encouraged him to look into the comics week because, <laughs> you know, with that, you know, you're scanning the comics as people are buying them. So you're keeping track of your inventory in the system. You don't need to do those cycle sheet counts. There's so mm-hmm. much time that you would save. And there, you know, there is value in that. Reorders would be a lot easier. Even with trade paperbacks, we would write down the title of a trade anytime someone bought one. Yep. And then we would go through our Excel sheet to see what we had another copy of in the back and we would restock where possible. And if not, we would look up the code, you know, on Diamond and reorder it. So yeah. it was a very labor intensive process. And from what I understand, you know, with Comic Suite, you're able to do these things much faster.
1: Yeah. No, it's the modern world. And it's the problem with the modern world. And I'm gonna go in my old cranky man. I hate technology. What it does is it separates you from the product. So when you're the owner of alternate realities was doing all of that. He was physically touching everything in his store and whether it was conscious or not, or subconscious, he's much more aware of what's physically moving, what he physically has, what customer asks for it. He knows right away, you know, it, there's something about being that involved in your inventory, which is a very important thing. And what comic suite does is yes, it's much more accurate. Your numbers are going to be much more accurate. You're going to know things you just Pull up the list, boom, order that. But it separates you from the product. Now you're, if you're not real, if you're not the main person, clerk that's on at the register, ringing people in and seeing what they're buying. And like I walk in, I'm not here all weekend. I have no idea what we sold. I don't know what's moving. You know what I mean? And then I have to go look at the numbers. But if you're there physically on the line, you, it's really important for you to know your product and it separates it from you. And that's just, but that's just the modern world, right? I mean, that—I mean that's beyond comics. That's just everybody. But I, I think that's the biggest problem with whatever system you're using now is that you're not as involved with the inventory. I think it separates it from you. I think it's a bad thing.
0: You know, thank you for making that point because, you know, looking back, I still think... I still think we should have at least looked into it. However, your your point is well taken, and I think there is something to be said for that. That's why that's why I love doing this and getting perspectives of different people. Yeah, um, and th- that's a point that I hadn't really considered. You know that it does separate you from your your product. Very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As far as I know, you said you know you didn't use the word curmudgeonly, but you can. <laughs> uh, I know we don't know each other super well, but uh, Steve himself. is a bit of a curmudgeon and there's also another comic book vendor I spent a lot of time with and made a documentary about named Jay Mizell who is as curmudgeonly as they come so Mm -hmm. I'm I'm very used to that so no worries at all (laughs) (laughs) in fact there's a there's a charm to it so there's there's something to be said for it Uh, I know we mentioned very briefly that there is the second uh, first aid comics location so Mm -hmm. how long has that been in existence they just
1: celebrated their fifth anniversary oh very cool yeah
0: so. so how did that come about? Were you actively looking to expand or did someone come to you and say, Hey, I want to open a store. i want yeah, to be first. It's
1: aid. a good friend of mine. And we worked for together for many, many years. And he's like, I'm going to open up a shop. And I'm like, okay. And he's, said, like, let's do it together. So we've been doing it together. And it's technically, on paper, we're separate businesses, but uh, we work together and we present ourselves as First Take Comics.
0: Is it so. one diamond account or two diamond accounts? Two, two diamond yeah. accounts. okay. Was there any? Because obviously, this is your own store. That you know, after managing someone else's store for a long time, you had your own store. Obviously, a sense of ownership with this. Was there? And I know this is, is someone you say you you know well, but was there any any hesitation on your part of like I, I want to be able to control what people, people do, think of absolutely. when they think if of if it first was day.
1: anybody else? Yes. This is somebody I've worked with for many years, and I know how he works. So there we sp- work well together. Do they do the lab coats too? Uh, not always, but sometimes, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I was going to ask, are there specific things that you said, like, yeah, go for it? Like, I want you to be first aid comics, but there are certain things that need to be present in
1: the store. Yeah, we've just worked it all out. We yeah. all, yeah, we just we just naturally work well together. So, yeah, we worked all that out.
0: And how far is that location from
1: here? It's not that far. It's a little Italy, so, you know four miles five oh. miles it's very close but you know it's the city so Hyde Park is its own neighborhood you know even though you're close your world's apart you know and they're by UIC so another university in Chicago so they have a whole separate university they right by you know so it's just really a different place so any thoughts to further expansion um uh, I've actually tried to buy two stores previously and expand twice and had it blow up in my face so um and since then we did the expansion and I was like okay I'm not doing another store while well, I'm spending all this money on the expansion until I know this is going to fly and then most recently now that I'm starting that I know that's works and I know we can pay for it now I'm like okay so I should expand again but instead we've really pushed more of the online stuff I think the the reality is is the way people shop and buy is changing Um, and I think we're comic shops we as in all of us are the exception you know people come here for the community not necessarily for the product because they can get the product cheaper online Um, so They come here to have an experience. So we're really focusing on how to make this an experience when you're here and um, to give that community and then maybe consider doing more sales online, try and figure out how to be competitive, um, which I haven't figured out yet. But if I figure it out, I will let you all know. As of right now, all I can figure out is it's a race to the bottom online. So, as far as cultivating
0: that experience, I mean, obviously you know we talked about the you know the lab coats and and mm-hmm. you know that piece of it. Are there other specific things, whether it's it's events or or really anything else that you feel contributes to the environment that you're going for here?
1: I think it's really about the people that you hire and you have in your store,
0: yeah, I was going to ask, so you said Sam is your manager, yeah,
1: he's excellent. I just find that you gotta hire good people and then not let them disappear, <laughs> yeah, you know
0: <laughs> well, well said, I'm always curious in a retailer's work-life balance, because I know from observing Steve, you know he was, he was always at the store. And he was there into the you know wee hours of the morning, and he was always doing something store-related. Um, you know, for you, especially since you have a manager here. I mean, how how do you divide your time? I, mean, I how know. much No, <laughs> it's
1: it's all store or business, I should say. Yeah, it really is. I, I'm married to it in a sense. I, I'm not married, so I mean, I'm married to the stores. Right. What I mean, I go home and I work
0: do you still enjoy it or has it become a a grind or maybe a little bit of both? It's both. Yeah. Yeah,
1: There are times where you, when you stop working and you force yourself to take a breath and you go, wow, I'm really doing this. And then there are other times you're just like, oh my God, what am I doing? Why am I not at home right now? You know, why am I not with my family right now? You know, why am I not doing something that's like that? Um, so it's a trade off, you know, I got to be a certain age and I was like, okay, what am I doing with my life? Where am I going? I got to, what am I producing? How am I going to retire? You know, I was like, okay, I got to do something. So, you know, when you, you're like, why am I not taking a day off? It's like, because I'm building something for when I'm, you know, ready to retire. (laughs) So then it keeps you going. Yeah. Well, it'd be called fear, or desperation, I guess, too.
0: Jumping back, jumping back to the second location and, you know, potential future expansion. Mm-hmm. Do you think, I'm, I'm curious, do you think that because you worked at a place that had multiple locations, that that in any way has inspired Absolutely. you to I mean I your think, own enterprise? Yeah,
1: it really taught me the importance of that, you know, the, just to give yourself the diversity of revenue, too. One shop's up, another shop, shop you know, maybe down at the time. Um, it gives you leverage when you're ordering. Um you know, be able to move because every store is going to be different, right? Particularly depending on your manager. So, you know, they're going to sell different things and customers are going to buy different things. So different areas, you're going to be able to move different things. It just, it, you know, it just is good to be able to transfer product back and forth and try different things. So that's why I always wanted to do it. But again, I'm leery of it. Just considering how we're shopping differently now, how that has all changed. And it just makes me nervous. I just think, how are we doing a storefront? You know, how are we competitive?
0: I know, you know, this is something that comes up in the episodes. And anytime I tell people I'm doing this project, that's always the question, especially whether someone who is into comics or not. And especially if they're not into comics, it's sort of like, oh, like how are comic shops doing? Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think it's everything that, you know, we've talked about and that's come up in these episodes. I think it's, you know, cultivating that, that community that can make a difference and that could get someone to come into a store, make a purchase instead of buying a trade on Amazon, yeah, I mean, I also have to think, and this came up in the previous episode. I have to think that the collector mentality is plays a role in all of this, right because yeah. it's it, it is something that you that you collect and bag and board and store and I know you know not everyone reads and collects comics in that way, but for that traditional fan who does, uh, I would imagine that's driving people to still come into a store
1: mm-hmm. right yeah, they want to see it right yeah i won't touch it yeah i mean that's why i think a lot of magazines have gone on business you know long before comics have yeah the collectible aspect of this yeah well and i for whatever reason it just doesn't work as well online i think uh i think going digital as people were worried about and complaining about and saying the sky was falling for us it was great because it just increased our readership right there are lots of people that will read digitally uh i'm not reading a comic book and then they would read it digitally because it's on their Pad or their phone, it's not like reading a comic. And then they get really hooked. And then they come in, they say, Well, I want to have this physically. I want to own this book. And I have a new customer. You know, I get to put graphic novels in their hands now. So for us, it's grown that. And I assume at some point, Marvel and DC would say, Why are we making this the same price as a paper copy? We're making these 50 cents and they'll undercut us. And that may happen and we may reduce it. But as of right now, all it's done is expand my base. You know, I've got more and more people being exposed to the material. And wanting to find it eventually in hard copy and then coming in. Right. So just like Challengers Comics, um,
0: y- you guys opened in 2008. So this coming year will mark your 10-year anniversary. Is there anything that you have planned, either event-wise or really anything?
1: Yeah, we are working on plans. We have not yet announced them, and those are coming. But yeah, it'll be um, somewhere around Thanksgiving, that period. And it'll be big. Cool. I'll just say that.
0: Very exciting. Well, you know, congratulations on everything that you've built here. Thank you. Um, Is there anything else that you would like to share with listeners? Anything that we didn't get to talk to that you you really wanted to share?
1: Oh, I think we we covered a lot of stuff. Hopefully people found something worthwhile.
0: (laughs) Well, I I really enjoy talking to you and, uh, you know, just thank you so much for being part of this.
1: Oh, I'm flattered that you came all the way out. Thank you.
0: Yeah, no, my pleasure.
1: Thank you to everyone for listening. Next
0: week on the other podcast I host, Flat Squirrel Tales Beyond My Comic Shop, we will be doing another movie club discussion. And then in two weeks, it is the season finale of My Comic Shop History featuring the Spider's Web in Yonkers, New York. Until then, don't be a flat squirrel. Our final podcast sponsor is the Spider's Web in Yonkers, New York. You'll be hearing from Spider's Web in two weeks on the season finale of My Comic Shop History. But right now I have store manager, Andrew Gonzalez. Andrew, take it away. For all your comic book needs, comic books, collectibles, supplies, and for a generally fun environment, please come down to the Spider's Web. It's are located on uh, 887A Yonkers Avenue, Yonkers, New York, 10704. We love comics, and we love people who read. And we love giving out comics to kids. Bring the kids by. Bring yourself by. All right. Thank you, sir. See you back here in two weeks for the season finale.